and welcome to the Social Feed Podcast. I'm your host, Missy, and we are coming at you from the Hubbard Broadcasting Studios here in the Twin Cities. Thank you guys all for listening. This week is episode 62. Today we have with us two guests from the marketing team at the Special Olympics, Taylor Dale and Kelly Jensen. Welcome, you guys. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. Glad yeah. to be here. Taylor Dale is the marketing and communications manager for Special Olympics, and she does everything from social media creation on all the platforms, managing the website for Polar Plunge, and which has resulted in raising over $4 million, um, which is amazing. So I'm excited to deep dive into that a little bit more. And then we also have with us Kelly Jensen, who is the director of corporate relations and special events for Special Olympics. And she does everything from overseeing strategy of sponsorships with corporate partners partners and assist with planning and implementation of the Polar Plunge as well. So let's get into this week's episode number 62, how to build a successful fundraiser, a case study from the Special Olympics Polar Plunge. All right, so the first question I want to ask you guys is how long have you guys worked on the Polar Plunge event? Sure. So I think Kelly and I have both worked on it for pretty much the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been with Special Olympics for just about five years, so 2019 will be my sixth polar plunge season? Yeah, you're a year ahead of me, so it'll be my fifth plunge season this year. Yeah. Yeah. And then as far as for people listening, I mean, I feel like most people have heard of the Special Olympics, but do you want to talk a little bit bit more about the mission of them and then also how the polar plunge and what that is came to be? Sure. Sure. Um, Well, Special Olympics, we started as a place um, for people just with intellectual disabilities. So Eunice Kennedy Shriver um, started it in her backyard for her sister and her friends um, as a place for them to do sports together. Um, we've grown so much since then. Uh, Special Olympics International just celebrated their 50th anniversary um, this July. And so we've come so much further than being just for people with intellectual disabilities. Um, we're now for everyone. So everything we do at Special Olympics is unified, whether that's our unified sports. So people with and without intellectual disabilities um, Um, playing on the same team together. That translates into our health and wellness programs, our leadership programs, and especially into the schools. Um, We're in over 200 schools across the state, um, and the unified movement is really bringing students together and um, really changing communities. It's an amazing, amazing program, and we're so lucky to be a part of it. Um, the Polar Plunge is our largest fundraiser by far, um, generating about $4 million a year that goes directly to fund all of our programs across the state. So we serve over 8,000 athletes um, in the traditional sense of our Special Olympics athletes with an intellectual disability, but with the unified movement, the number of participants that we're touching is closer to that 20,000 number a year. Um, So really, really impactful program. That is amazing. Um, That's why I'm so excited to talk about the Polar Plunge specifically today because it started with, like you guys mentioned, just this one event and it's grown to be, how many events do you guys do per year? Um, we have like over 21 events this year, and like you said, in 1998, started with just one location. So it's really, really oh exciting. Uh, from the end of January through mid-March, we have about two or three plunges every single mm-hmm. weekend, and it's, it's quite the season. <laughs> but it's really, really fun. So what takes to what like goes into coordinating like let's say just one of those events? Kind of talk, walk me through the process. Oh man, so much. I mean, there's a whole <laughs> team that's not here today that their whole job is working with our law enforcement torch run, um, which is our partnership internationally between Special Olympics and the law enforcement. Um, And that's what um, puts on 
the polar plunges all across the states. Um, but so there's a committee of law enforcement officers that help to plan it. There's four staff in our office that are dedicated just to the polar plunge. Um, and then people like Taylor and myself, who a big majority of our job is plunge in addition to other things we're doing. So we really start planning, I would say, shortly after the plunge season ends. <laughs> they start planning for School the time next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so a lot of different just working with the local committees in each community where there's a plunge. Um, Obviously, a lot of marketing efforts by Taylor and her team, Mm -hmm. working with our corporate partners, and then making sure to get the word out to just recruit participants. How many do volunteers help with the plunge then as well? Yeah, so all of our law enforcement are technically volunteers. They do Mm -hmm. this all on their own time, and it's it's really great to see how involved they get in the mission. But um, yeah, it's volunteers from from law enforcement to any just community official um, to just any general volunteer that wants to come and help on site and help with registration or you know whatever. So it's a little a little bit of everything on that side. Mm-hmm. How many volunteers do you typically need to put on a plunge? It varies. I mean, some of our small we have plunges that range in size from a couple hundred plungers to our Minneapolis plunge, which has over six thousand plungers there throughout the weekend. So obviously, what we need per plunge varies, um, but we usually have a good amount of volunteers that help with setup. There's a lot it takes to transform what's a beach <laughs> in the summer to make it this winter fun feeling event. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of setup volunteers and then people to help with registration. So. I don't know an exact number, but I would say anywhere from 10 to, we have probably 100 volunteers at Minneapolis. So So with the plunge happening, so many, like so many events, do you have like a list of kind of volunteers that are ready to go and then do you just use them or is it, how do you recruit volunteers? Because I'm thinking for people listening that want to think about doing an event like this, you know, how do you start building up that database of people to help you do events starting from a small one to the size that you guys are doing? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, we already have a, a huge database of volunteers that we pull from, um, and you know, there's a, those key people that really champion the mission, and mm-hmm. we look to them for support and recruitment. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of our law enforcement partners have been involved in years, so we lean on them to kind of get us into their local communities and start the conversation there. But anyone is welcome to come volunteer. Um, you know, if they're just on our website browsing, they can find information on how to come to a plunge and volunteer, or maybe they've volunteered at a Special Olympics competition before, and then they want to get involved in a different sense. Um, lots of different outlets, outlets for people to get involved with. So we've talked a little bit about the actually, like, setting up the event and how you kind of execute it. Now let's talk about marketing the event. So you guys do so many plunges throughout the year. Obviously, there's a lot of things that go into it, one of them being, you know, social media, email marketing, website updating. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about that strategy and that push that you do every time a plunge is coming up? Sure. So, I mean, the Polar Plunge itself as a whole is a really long campaign. And, you know, the events mm-hmm. run for, for basically three months. So the Plunge as a campaign as a whole runs basically from our hard push starts the first of the year until the Plunge is over. But we give each, um, each event and each community their own little push behind it as well. So that's through targeted emails um, and segmenting our lists and people that have participated before. And then a lot of our um, new um, recruitment strategies come from places like our social media platforms and working with um, other media outlets and digital marketing strategies to kind of get get the word out to people that haven't participated before. So um, it's a lot, of, a lot of that. And then our website really serves as a good tool for um, resources for people that are already signed up if they want to learn more information, if they need help fundraising or recruiting. We have all kinds of tools there for them to use. Um, 
and then obviously everything about the plunge they need to know for a day of they can find on there but you know really once we start um, getting in contact with them with email we have constant communication with them from the time they sign up to the time they're done um, letting them know about what is coming up in the event where their money is going to once they fundraise um, thanking them afterwards and just trying to get them engaged throughout the entire process so obviously since you guys have been around so long you have like a list of people who are Regular mm-hmm. plungers, I'll call mm-hmm. them. Yep. How do you recruit new people to join the plunge? What outlets do you use for that? Yeah, we use all the outlets that Taylor spoke about. And I would say kind of those diehard plungers are a huge recruitment tool for us, too. Mm-hmm. So um, we launch our website in October every year. And we have a group of people who sign up the day that <laughs> website goes up. I mean, mm-hmm. people love to plunge um, because it's really fun. Um, but it's also... Um, just something that a lot of people do year after year after year with the same group of people. It builds that camaraderie. Um, we're both wearing our plunge gear today. <laughs> I know, I was like, I just throw in the yes. shirts, I love it. Um, but I would say that our incentives that we give away, so for um, every amount that you raise as a plunger, you earn a different incentive. So it might be a long sleeve shirt, uh, we're both wearing our sweatshirts, a jacket, a hat. Um, and outside of the traditional marketing, these are one of our biggest marketing pieces mm-hmm. for the plunge. It's such a conversation starter. When you're out and about and you see someone in their plunge gear, um, like, hey, have you done this before? And they're, they're always happy to talk about it. It's kind of this badge of honor of, yeah, I've jumped in a lake in Minnesota <laughs> in the winter. So honestly, word of mouth and um, those kind of diehard plungers bringing in new people helps us a ton. Um, but we do see a lot of people who see it as that bucket list item. So mm-hmm. we are up against that challenge every year of how do we get new people that want to come? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we make it so dang fun that you want to make sure you don't miss it the next year? So mm-hmm. um, how long, how many times have you guys actually plunged yourselves? So many. Yeah, I think. <laughs> are you just kind of like numb to it now with the cold water? Or is no, it's, it just, no, it's the same it's every cold. time? Every year I talk a big game that I'm not going to do it. But as, because it's our job, it's like the first question people ask is, have you, <laughs> have you done it? Have you done like, it? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. You don't have to do it every plunge though, right? You just do it. No, no, no we usually do it like once a season. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like five. Yeah. Five or six. I've done, I've done it. Uh, my sister is a special Olympics athlete, so I was dragged into it long before <laughs> I even worked here. So I think I've got about 10 under my belt. But That's a great question. Like, how did you guys like, get involved with the Special Olympics? Like, how did you find that for sure. the positions? Um, so I volunteered with Special Olympics in high school and oh, then cool. throughout college as well, and then interned with the office actually after college and then found my way back to it after a year of working elsewhere. So, yeah. I love that. Um, my sister is a Special Olympics athlete, so um, I got to see firsthand the immense change that it brought to her life. Um, it kind of became her community for friends and sports um, and just saw how incredibly transformative the programs are Um, and I did a bunch of other random jobs and then um, came back around to here and it's just amazing it's been really really incredible to be a part of this so you deal with more of the sponsorship side of things yes so how do you get people do do you typically have the same sponsors every year how do you start getting sponsors because I also think about with people listening who want to do an event it's like where do I even start right you know so kind of give some advice on that yeah we're very lucky um we work with a lot of really really great corporate partners here um in Minnesota a lot of them in the Twin Cities but some even um outside and we've had a lot of those that are really long-standing partners so um we're super lucky with the people that we work with but so we do see a lot of those returning sponsors that come back every year um of course we're always trying to grow those partnerships you know to me the ideal partner um maybe starts as a plunge team or a volunteer group that's getting out um for some employee engagement that's often a really good foot in the door whether it's through um, volunteerism or through the plunge and then following up from there once they see 
you know, the impact of what their plunging dollars are raising money for or volunteering at an event and getting to interact with our athletes, it's then easier to have that hook of, hey, you have a lot of people who care about what we're doing. Um, look what an impact your people can make and then look what an impact your dollars can make. Um, and I think just being smart about it, I think having conversations with partners, um, you know, it's a tough market these days. Um, there's a lot of competition for sponsorships. So mm-hmm. just making sure you're approaching those conversations, trying to understand their marketing goals and as much as you can, bringing them into your event through a way that provides a meaningful activation so the people who are at our events are engaging with our partners in an authentic way that doesn't feel forced um, and really adds to and enhances the experience. Those are ultimately the partnerships that end up being long-lasting because the partners have a great time and they see the biggest benefit from it. What do some of those activations look like with sponsors? Like, obviously, there's digital activations, I'm assuming, and then the ones at the event. What does that look like? Yeah, um, for Plunge, it's really fun because we can really get creative with it. We have this blank slate of snow to work (laughs) with. Um, So we have people, you know, come out and be our warm-up crew, and so they're handing out hand warmers um, and hot chocolate, um, and it's sometimes their volunteers and their branded gear handing stuff out as well. Um, A booth on any type of you know winter game or even just activations we're doing a human foosball activation this year at Minneapolis so <laughs> bringing those sports in just and embracing the winter um, is a really fun way to pull people in. A lot of photo activations, photo booths, um, and then just trying to incorporate our partners into places of the event that already exist. So tying a partner in to make registration more seamless or um, when you plunge, you're left with all these wet clothes. So tying in a partner to provide plastic bags so you have um, you know, something to put your clothes in or flip-flops if you forget your shoes to plunge. So trying to incorporate um, our partners to relieve those pain points of the process for our participants and just make it even more seamless and a better, better day for everyone. So tell me a little bit more about the executive challenge, because last time I met with you guys, you were describing this, and I thought this was genius. So you described to those listening a little bit more what that, what that means. Yeah, I'll let Cal take this one. <laughs> yeah, so the executive challenge um, is a really fun event. I think this is our sixth year that we'll be doing it. Um, it's the Friday evening of our Minneapolis plunge. So this year it's Friday, March 1st. So we invite executives um, to raise quite a bit of money to jump in the lake altogether. Traditionally, it's been $10,000 per participant, but this year we're introducing kind of a tiered approach um, that we've always done informally, but making it more official this year. So three, five, or $10,000 for an executive level participant to come and take the plunge. So you have all these men and women who typically are, you know, in their business suits at big important meetings coming down and getting in their plunge gear, jumping into the lake (laughs) together um, live um, on TV on that Friday evening. It's a really really great event. They're each able to bring um, a handful of guests to come with them. We have a really nice reception after um, Grand Casino is one of our partners and they fully cater all the food. It's delicious. I think as staff, we really look forward to that (laughs) food more than anything. Um, But it's a really great night. We have athlete speakers um, and it's just seeing these executives from our partners or maybe people who are potential partners or friends of our partners um, that come together to celebrate our cause in a really unique way. Um, so I know they all really enjoy it. I think it's different from a lot of ways mm-hmm. that they get to support nonprofits in the community. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And so in conjunction with that event is our corporate hour that evening. So as an executive, if they're plunging, oftentimes they'll have a team of um, from their company that's plunging during that corporate hour. It's more of this happy hour feel kind of plunge exclusively for our corporate teams. And we kind of marry those two events together on Friday evening um, for this exclusive and 
fun and just different approach to the plunge. I when you guys told me about that, I just love that idea because it takes away from like your tippy, typical like kind of that stuffy, yes. you know. Mm-hmm event that people usually do and it takes a whole new level to it oh yeah, yeah. I mean so they I have to go unique. in a changing tent together yeah, and, yeah I was like, like, I'm like <laughs> and brave the cold literally waiting there especially because it's live on TV they have to just stand there shivering together and for, they get super into it they yeah. go all out in costumes oh, and yeah. they just they love it and then they just like all have this like super great like event afterwards and really connect it's and really fun have grammar afterwards so. some of them will come in their costume and hide in the changing <laughs> tent in their costume for their big reveal <laughs> for when they all jump out so it's really it's a really good event it's a lot I of fun um, so you mentioned it's live on TV. What is that? What is that like? And ex- as far as setting that up too. Yeah. So we <laughs> we work with um, one of our media partners is Fox Nine, and um, Ian Leonard is the chief meteorologist there, and he has been a big proponent of Special Olympics for years and years and years, and he is a big big fan of ours. Does so he jump too? Oh, he, he loves does. the plunge. <laughs> so yeah. He's got to. The plunge. Yeah. He he comes to usually multiple plunges per year, but the executive challenge is something that he really loves to participate in so he'll kind of count everyone down before they go Mm -hmm. in and um give a couple shout outs to people on air and have opportunities for them to do a quick little interview on live on fox 9 um that friday before they jump in and yeah it's great i love it what are some struggles you guys have faced being that you've done this for a few years now Mm -hmm. that you're like oh we tried this and that just flopped like we wouldn't do that again or um you know this worked really really well but we just didn't maybe have the manpower for it. What are some struggles that you've that you've had? Um, I don't know if we've had anything that's really been a huge flop, but no. I think one of our biggest challenges, like Kelly said, was just getting those new people back every year. Mm-hmm. Um, we have about a 60% retention rate, so that's a lot of people that we need to come back every year to yeah. hit our goals. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a hard thing to convince someone to you know, jump into a frozen lake in the middle of winter. <laughs> yes. um, so making sure that we're tying our mission back to it and they're realizing that it's for a really great cause and, you know, providing them with all this information on, on how fun it is and making it a really big experience for them and for their team. Um, so one of the things that we've implemented um, at our Minneapolis plunge the past couple of years is just making it more of a festival feel. Mm-hmm. So we've added um, food and beverages and live, live music, music and um, a concert series and our first year was a couple years ago um, and it was you might call that a flop I mean, yeah, we, I was gonna we, say. Try, we tried to make this whole separate event with a concert that we yeah. sold tickets to and yeah. ultimately we're like you know let's just make this for everyone yeah. and brought this live concert experience to the plunge itself cool. for, for all the participants yeah and it was really fun but it yeah. didn't it, go, it went a little late the last <laughs> concert or the last band that played I think it was just staff that were there yep. had yeah. the time, time of their now. lives but <laughs> so you know yeah, yeah. exactly but we it, we had a really great tech success with that before so we kind of altered it for previous years and now it's just during the entire day while the whole plunge is going on and and everybody in the neighborhood and everyone plunging is welcome to to come out and enjoy it so that's been a really a really fun addition to some of our really fun a lot of food trucks out there Mm -hmm. we have a beer garden at minneapolis so Mm -hmm. it's really we see people just from the the neighborhood or people Mm -hmm. who maybe don't even live in the neighborhood but know it's so fun and no intention of plunging but come down and support us in that way Mm -hmm. as well so um, it's really, f- there's something for everyone at that yeah. plunge specifically. It is so hard because there's so many events popping up now that people want you to, pers- mm-hmm. to participate in. So I love that you guys are coming up with like new ideas each year to add to that. Like the food trucks, like so right. trendy. Yeah, love right. That. It's right. really fun. And there's a 5K at the Minneapolis plunge as well. So if it's like, no way am I jumping in a lake. It's like, well, can you walk three miles? You can do that yeah. in the morning. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, there's something for everyone at that one. We're trying Absolutely. to bring that across more and more mm-hmm. plunges as we, as we continue to grow. What goals do you guys have set for next year? Anything you can tell us about that you're that you're scheming that we can know about? 
Well, Taylor's team just put together with the plunge team a whole plunge rebrand. So if you guys haven't been on our website yet this season, go see their amazing work because <laughs> they did a fantastic job. It looks so good. So plungemn.org that's is the works. website. Yeah, that's been all overhauled and um, hopefully just a really super easy experience for, for everyone using it. Um, and really, like I said, tying more of that uh, donation impact into there. So letting people know where their dollars are going and making that a really easy thing for them to find. Um, and then also just you know, giving them the tools and resources that they need to recruit, recruit people onto their teams or fundraise more dollars um, and giving them an opportunity to have their corporate partners or their company they work for bring back um, matching donations, which mm-hmm. is a really huge thing that um, we haven't impl- implemented to the f- full extent right. until this year. So we're really excited to see how that tracks in terms of donations. But um, yeah, I think as much what we do every year and what I think we've done this year better than ever before I think we improve on it constantly is just trying to equip other people to be champions on Mm -hmm. our behalf and so as many tools as we can put in the hands of our plungers or corporate partners um, to go out and be the voice of Special Olympics and be the voice of Plunge and bring other people in um, as much legwork as we can take out of it for them and kind of um, make it as easy as possible the more successful they're going to be in their efforts which ultimately the more successful we're going to be in bringing new people in so Mm -hmm. I think the new website does a great job of that our additional tools do a good job of that um, and some other things we'll be rolling out this year will make it even easier. Yeah, and I think we are also really working to make that on-site experience at every plunge, um, not just Minneapolis. I mean, that's a really easy one to have all these fun things at, but but looking at each plunge and each community as a separate entity and really making sure that the experience from start to finish is, is top-notch and, mm-hmm. you know, they don't just come and jump in on the lake and leave. Like, there's more things for them to experience when they're on-site and for them to get to see the mission and just be reminded why they're there. So, yeah. And integrating those local businesses that mm-hmm. at our other plunges has been huge. So I know Duluth, we have some fun stuff, White Bear Lake, um, and all across the board. So just really working on bringing those local businesses in to support their community and support us in the process is going to really make those events even more fun this year. I love it. So how do you guys balance going from, you know, it being a fundraiser, but then also the marketing the event itself to get people to sign up? Yeah, I think it's a fine line between, you know, creating that, engagement and awareness of the plunge and what it benefits and you know begging them to sign up so I think a lot of it is just really putting your name out there first of all and just Mm -hmm. and creating the initial you know pinpoint and then once they're once they're roped in once they're registered or once they um you know are interested it's making sure that we we follow up and that we're constantly hitting back with them to, to make sure that they do register. And then once they are registered, it's giving them more information on on what they're doing it for. And like we talked about before, giving them the tools to remind these people they're asking for donations or asking to join their team why they're doing it. I think we're just trying to better tie our mission to the Polar Plunge. I think the Polar Plunge, a, a lot of Minnesotans have heard of the Polar Plunge, but I would bet that about half of them don't know that it benefits Special Olympics Mm -hmm. Minnesota. And so that's something that we're always trying to do better. I think our new website does a great job of incorporating photos of our athletes into it. Um, As a participant of the plunge, you have to raise a minimum of $75. So that that fundraising um, is a requirement. And then the incentives that we build out every year, um, you raise, the more you raise, the more incentives you get. So that helps the fundraising from a participant perspective. Um, but we've really done some new things for the donors this year too, of when you're on our website and you're going to make a donation to a plunger, it suggests, um, donation amounts for you. And under each donation amount, it will say directly what that amount of funding will do, um, and how it will impact, 
our programs of Special Olympics Minnesota. And so making it even easier for um, those plungers to communicate to their donors um, why they would want to donate to the Polar mm-hmm. Plunge. And just, I think that helps a lot with the fundraising. We've seen great um, results from that already this year um, in the, the new way that we're talking about the donations and the impact on the website. And you mentioned a little bit about this before, but brand ambassadors. Um, how, do you guys activate brand ambassadors? Is that part of your campaign? And what does that look like? It's looked different. We've done it different ways in the past. We've done some more traditional, you know, hire your brand ambassadors to go be at public events around the cities and Mm -hmm. distribute hot chocolate Mm -hmm. and plunge koozies. Um, So we've done a little bit of that over the years. Yeah, and I think as staff, we kind of serve as a brand ambassador, just going out in communities and, you know, doing events like that. Um, Or really leaning on um, a lot of our unified schools Mm -hmm. um, and the individuals that are really involved in that way and having them be the voice for their school. Um, Getting on college campuses and finding the people that do it there and just really finding those key people and using them as our liaisons between between them and their teams and allowing them to promote the message for us. And those each plunge has a committee of law enforcement officers and community members and those become our brand ambassadors in those communities and then with our corporate plungers, um, our corporate teams, there's a team captain um, for each corporation that we work with and they really serve as our brand ambassador internally. Um, I think we have brand ambassadors in a lot of ways um, because the more that the message can come from someone you know within your own organization um, means a lot more than it coming from one of us knocking on your door, although we do a lot of that as well. Nonprofits, you know, we wear a lot of different hats, so we, we're out and about all the time during plunge season just spreading the word. So is your guys' full-time job pretty much to focus on the plunge, or what are the, the other aspects of your day-to-day that um, you have to work on? It's a, it's a big chunk of it, <laughs> but there are a, a ton of different components mm-hmm. that also um, factor in. So a lot of other fundraising events, um, some other large ones as well as a lot of uh, smaller ones scattered throughout the year. Um, but then it's also a lot of work, like Kelly said, with our corporate pun- partnerships um, and events that we host on the program side of things. So with competitions, with our health and wellness, um, with our schools programming, yeah. um, and just promoting the brand and the mission of Special Olympics in general. Um, and getting volunteers and, and coaches and people engaged and just bringing them in in whatever facet is easiest. Sometimes it feels like it's our whole job, and sometimes <laughs> it feels like it's one small sliver. Um, I mean, it's one of the few ways we engage our corporate partners throughout the year, um, but it definitely is a huge way that we do it. Mm-hmm. So, awesome. yeah. What advice would you give to someone who's thinking about starting um, an event like this, mm-hmm. or maybe they're a nonprofit and they're looking to try to find sure. some ideas for fundraising? Anything that you guys can give for some advice in that aspect? I would say with any event, um, the first few years, you're really knocking on doors trying to get people Mm -hmm. to participate. I mean, the plunge every year, we're still spending a great amount of time on recruitment. Um, A couple of our other fundraisers I can think of are in their third or fourth year, and it's a lot of legwork at the beginning. So I think Mm -hmm. don't be afraid to pick up the phone and um, call people. Don't be afraid to ask people to be a team captain or a brand ambassador for you and spread the message on your behalf and just be smart about how you equip other people with your message um, because you can only get to so many people and how do you equip others to do that for you um, and just reach as many participants as possible. For sure and I think just going off of that is leaning off those people that are already you know great ambassadors for your Mm -hmm. nonprofit or for your program and just leaning on them to be a really solid foundation and a good resource for you to use their connections and and everything along those lines. If someone wants to learn more about what you guys do or um, sign up for the plunge themselves, mm-hmm. what are the best places they should go to? 
plungemen.org. There's everything you can find about the plunges on the website. Otherwise, um, if you want to learn more about Special Olympics in general, you can check out somn.org, which is our other website um, that has information on on everything Special Olympics there. Mm -hmm. But both websites are a great resource. So all the links we talked about in today's podcast will be at the show notes at socialfeedpodcast.com slash EP62. Thank you two for being on so much. Um, I actually met with you guys a couple weeks ago, and I just loved hearing about the plunge and what you do. And we haven't done a podcast yet about really marketing and fundraising for an event. So this brought a whole new side of things um, that I didn't even really realize happened with all of this. So thank you so much for being on today. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. The Social Feed is a production of Hubbard Interactive with music provided by Minneapolis-based artist John Atwell.